And now please join us for 30 seconds as we ground ourselves in silence. Good morning. I'm Reverend Connie Nissen, and we gave Dr. Patrick a little bit of a holiday this week, so join with me in consciousness. Let's come together. Let's come together to taste the sweetness of life, to breathe in the fragrance of the air around us, to feel with our heart in places we have maybe never felt before to accept and claim the power that is within each and every one of us this day, that flows in through and as each and every one of us, as the nature of our being, for the very nature of God, that one creator, that one power, that, that one that is all-knowing and everywhere present is right here, inspiring these words. It brought you here. It sustains you. It sustains all of us. It has provided and gone before, long before we even realized that something would be needed. So I rest in that dwelling of the Most High. And I step into life today graciously with gratitude and appreciation. I allow the fire within to spark inspiration and realization this day that a most powerful idea in the mind of God may be manifest in through and as me and as you and as everyone we come in contact with for the activity in the mind of God is the activity that comes into my life experience here and now I call it good I call it very good and in spite of whatever appearance it may seem to have I look deeper I am willing to stay the course. I am willing to open my heart and let it be broken open if necessary. For I know growth will ensue. I know that I can lean on anything and anyone at any time. Because my faith is strong. And I listen. I listen carefully this day for that whisper. That whisper of the voice. The only voice I hear. For it is God just whispering in my ear and saying grow and bloom and be who you are I accept 
I accept that assignment this day, and I am grateful to know that it is Spirit's assignment, that it is meant for me and only me, and you and only you, and we are the ones here and now to accept the work of being a channel for love in the world. That's what this day is all about. That's what this conversation is about. I accept it, and I claim it as, as mine, and together let's say, and so it is. All right. So I have a little bit of Rumi to share with you first of all today. And this is what he says. If we are not together in the heart, what's the point? When body and soul are not dancing, there's no pleasure in colorful clothing. Why have cooking pans if there's no food in the house? That's true, isn't it? In a world full of fresh bread, amber, and musk, what are they to someone who has no sense of smell? If you stay away from fire, you will remain sour, doughy, raw, and numb. You may have lovely baked loaves around you, but those friends cannot help. You have to feel the oven fire yourself. In biblical scriptures, in Revelations chapter 22, verse 17, it says, And let them that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And Ernest Holmes said, The seed of freedom must be planted in the innermost being of man, but like the prodigal son, man must make the great discovery for himself. So what does it take? What does it take to step into that oven and get fired? What allows us to drink freely? And what allows us to take that next step on our journey of discovery? My talk today is about the feeling and the faith. Or is it the faith and the feeling? Is it one or the other? Is it both and? And prayer. Prayer has been our spiritual practice that we've been focusing on this month, and we've been using Mark Nepo's book, The 7,000 Ways to Listen. And in fact, he doesn't really give a list of 7,000 ways. He, he just tells us there's a lot of ways. He just tells us to listen all the time. And he gives many examples. I'd like to share with you some of my experiences this week. Because, you know, a month ago or so, and, or even earlier than that, when Dr. Patrick asked me to, to be here with you today and uh, let me know what the book would be. You know, the, the talk starts working on me right away. And it's been the underlying current in my life now for, for a little while. And I knew that he was going to be away this week. And there's, there's something that happened some of those weeks that he goes away that happened to me. And... I get to discover sometimes in a greater way on these weeks just what have I been praying for. So my week started a week ago, Wednesday or so, Thursday. And um, I got a text from Laura Cameron asking me if I was available to uh, conduct a memorial service this past Tuesday. Knowing that 
all of the other ministers were out of town, I looked at my calendar and I, and I said, yes, I would be happy to do that. There's, there's a wonderful thing that happens for me when I get that call to step in as a minister for a memorial, to celebrate someone's life, to be present with a family that is mourning and in grief and in a very deep reflective time uh, of looking at the presence of someone close to them and what that meant to them and maybe what they meant to that person. It's, it's a very privileged time to be involved with a person or a group of people when they're in that space. And I accept that assignment quite willingly, and I've, and I've been fortunate enough to support people through that process a number of times in my ministerial career. And I actually find that because I've made that agreement, I become very present from that moment in that situation. And it requires me to listen really carefully to that family, to their stories, to the feelings underlying the stories that they're telling me, that I might be able to celebrate a life that they had the privilege of, of being a part of. It's, it's really a wonderful process I find that I enter into. It takes some time, it takes good listening, it takes some prayer and meditation, but it really brings me present and in the moment, and I really enjoy that part of it. So as I was preparing to uh, leave my home on Tuesday morning to go and deliver this celebration of life service, my phone rang. And I looked at the call display and uh, I thought, I need to take this call. So I picked up the phone. And it was another dear friend from the center, Nancy, to tell me that her brother, and some of you will have known, Rick Cormier, had made his transition the previous Friday evening. And would I be available to do his celebration of life service this past Saturday, yesterday? Well, again, I know I'm the only minister in town this week. <laughs> I said yes. I've known Rick for many years and walked part of his journey with him. So it was, again, a privilege to step into that space. So... This is what my life was this week. I have to tell you that as a staff minister here, this is not my full-time job. <laughs> I have another job as well. So this was a week of preparing for two memorials and delivering them, of attending, preparing for my class that I teach on Thursday evenings, and, which I forgot to mention at the first service, my daughter had tickets for Mother's Day for me to go see Mama Mia on Wednesday night. <laughs> It was a busy week. And again, the underlying river beneath all of this was preparing for this talk about faith, feeling, and prayer. Who was I ever called? <laughs> now, of course, even further in my background at this time, my mother has been in hospital for a month. She's in a rehabilitation unit right now, and she's working at trying getting, to get her strength back and back on her feet and, and feeling better, and it's, it's been a long, slow process. So most days, I'm at the hospital spending some time with her. So after the memorial yesterday, uh, it seemed the most efficient thing to do to stop in at the hospital before I went home, because it was more on my way, and spend some time with her. And I had some things to bring her, so it all worked out. And 
and we did. We had a little visit, and everything was fine. I sat with her as she had her, her supper meal, and then I accompanied her back to her room and got her kind of settled and, you know, putzed around and cleaned up and checked this and checked that. Do you have enough of this? And uh, you have clean clothes and, you know, all the things you do. And as she's sitting there and we're chatting and talking and, and whatnot, all of a sudden, just from, it seemed, out of the blue, she developed a rather severe and intermittent pain in one of her legs. And it didn't seem to want to go away. And it seemed to be getting worse and worse. And what started out as just a little bit of a jump in her leg or a little rub on her leg became an out-and-out cry, maybe even a scream at times, she was obviously in a great deal of discomfort. And there was nothing outward that one could immediately see to do to provide her comfort. The nurses were quite distressed at this. It hadn't happened before on, on this admission. And um, they're asking me, well, has this happened before? What did you do? How long did it last? Should I call the doctor? Questions, questions, questions. I didn't have too many answers. And it was getting worse. And I could just feel the anxiety within me rising, the fear rising. It's not pleasant to see anyone in discomfort. It's not pleasant for me to see my 86-year-old mother who is starting to look a bit frail in that much pain and discomfort either and not being able to just step in and fix it right away. I could feel within me uh, that sense of time and space. I really should be somewhere else. I really need to get home and, and, and polish off this talk. I really need to go get something to eat. I really need to go down to the car because my parking is running out. I really need. I really need. But there was my mom. And it was getting worse. And I could feel all of these feelings rising up within me. Mark Nepo says, I recognize each person I come across because I am each on any given day. I was my mum in that moment. The fear I was experiencing and the anxiety was probably nothing compared to what she was experiencing in that moment. All of, you know, the future was flashing before. Well, is she going to be able to walk again? How long is this going to last? What is it? You know, can we get her home again, you know, to where she was living again? You know, all these futuristic projections happening. What matters is whether I turn away when this largest presence seems too strong. Did I want to run? Yeah, I wanted to run. I, I was very uncomfortable, and I had this list of things to do. But there was my mom in, in that pain in the moment. So my choice is, do I turn away or do I keep my birth eyes open? Can I stay present to this, to lean into it and be present? Can I find a way to meet what is incomprehensible and somehow draw strength from it? You know, it was a, it's a turning point. We have a chance to look at our previous experience and base 
what we do now on what we did in the past or what happened in the past, or we uh, have a chance to overcome that fear and anguish and just simply be present with what's happening right here and right now. That's kind of how we develop habits sometimes, isn't it? When we're in a situation, and instead of being present with it, we kind of do a throwback to, well, this happened before, and this is what happened, and this is what I did, and this is what I'll do now. Doesn't always work, does it? You know, we have to be alive and awake and tuned in and present to what's happening now so that we can participate fully in co-creating a new ending or a new next step. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, being present is kind of like when the band is up there and they're playing a really good jazz number and they just give each other a chance to, to just, you know, improvise in between. You know, that's a co-creation kind of a, of a moment. The, the thing is, is that if I, if I go into that fear space and, and want to run space, my heart gets contracted. That's what happens. We protect ourselves. We protect ourselves from feeling that pain. And when we do that, we, it's, like, it's like plastering our hearts with another layer of cement. We harden them, we close them off, and we shrink down. Moments of pain, moments of fear, anxiety, and anguish, they give us the opportunity to break our hearts open. You know, Pema Chodron talked about when things fall apart. When things fall apart, when hearts get cracked open, they get bigger. That crack, that wound, allows love to come in and to go out. It's a very precious moment if we have the courage, if we are listening and allowing ourselves to walk through that moment. Mark Nepo, in his book, he gives many examples of what it takes to listen, to be present, and to be present not just in a physical sense, but to be present with a heart that is connected to something greater than ourselves. That's why we want to have our hearts open. We want to receive that divine impress of the highest idea for that situation. Because in that moment, I didn't know what to do for my mom. I wanted to do something, but everything we did, everything the nurses did, nothing seemed to make her better. In fact, the pain seemed to get more intense each time it pulsed on. And so it requires a lot of listening and receiving and thinking and feeling and taking action. What I'm describing is really the creative process. The creative process is something that, that Ernest Holmes in, in Science of Mind Teaching spends a lot of time talking about because he tells us that our thoughts are creative. He tells us that the consciousness that we carry, the beliefs, the attitudes, everything that we hold as true, that we've made an agreement with, rests in our subconscious mind and it's the belly of our creation it's the soul that moves things through us into form and so he said just like planting a seed in soil gives the plant that corresponds to the seed that was planted so that means if you plant petunias 
you get petunias, right? So where does faith and feeling fit into it? Because what, what sort of moves us into prayer? What moves us? Desperation or inspiration? It really makes a difference. So in a co-creative process, we take the creative process, we take this idea that there is something bigger than us. There, we call it God, spirit, the universe, life force, energy. There is a presence that is with us always, that is continually transmitting information to us. It's our task to listen. That listening might be in the form of a sense of knowing, a tingle, um, a feeling in the gut. It, it, it's unique to everyone. But it's really important to give ourselves time and space. And this is what a, me a meditation practice can be really good for, is to help us discover what is that intuitive information that we're being downloaded with. And once we get that idea that something is there, it becomes just that, an idea within us. And that idea we start to furnish with our imagination. And it becomes a little bit bigger. And we add some emotion to it sometimes, like, oh, I really want to do this. And when we pass the tipping point and we decide, I am going to do this, and we take action, and we have the experience the creative process is complete, but we're only halfway through the co-creative process. Because what happens next is every time something happens to us or we do something or we have an experience in life, we have a reaction to it. And in that reaction, we make a decision. We recognize we're having feelings about it. Oh, that was great. I'm going to do it again. Or, oh, not for me. Never again. You know, we, we, makes, we, we, we make a decision about it. We feel something, and, it, and uh, we could leave it at that. And that's kind of how habits form. You know, it's like, oh, that felt really great. I'm going to do it again. Not necessarily being present, but just out of habit, repeating the same pattern. Yeah, done that, been there. But if we take it one step further, if we process, if we cognitively process, this is what happened, this is how I felt about it, hmm, what have I learned? What do I know now? What is spirit really trying to tell me through all of this? Then we move into the area of collecting wisdom. We have that experience of knowing something more that maybe we didn't fully know and appreciate before. And then the process can begin again. And we are awake and tuned into spirit. And spirit can speak to us in a different way because spirit knows we're listening in a different way. And then it becomes a co-creative process whereby that idea gets intuitively planted within us we think about it, we get the idea, we work on it, we chew on it, we get emotionally involved with it, we take action, we have the experience, but then we sort of have the debriefing within ourselves and we continually stay connected with spirit about it. 
that is more of a co-creative process. And it's, um, and it's really important to understand our role. Because prayer fits into the co-creative process to help us when we get those ideas and um, we decide we want to take action on them, then we can use our prayer to take that energy, that energy that's in motion within us, emotion, energy, emotion, got it? And we direct it. And we direct it for a, a, a definite purpose. And then spirit can just flood in and say yes. And there it is. That's a creative process. And our prayer is most effective and most powerful when we recognize the source of that ideal as God, when we participate with it, and when the words that we use to speak that prayer have a felt meaning within us. Have you ever said an affirmation that was kind of hollow, you didn't really believe it, it wasn't really true? Maybe. And sometimes we, we, we gradually come into our faith we gradually come into the feeling of it. We can explore, as, I, as we found out in my um, Living Your Life Purpose class, that we can explore the meaning behind the qualities of God and the promises that God makes. And we can come to an awareness of the feeling behind it. And that's a powerful thing because now when we speak our prayer, when we state our affirmations and we make our intentions, we do so from a level of understanding from a level of understanding the meaning and feeling that meaning within us. Because the fuel for our prayer is feeling. We need the faith to know that, we are, that we're praying with something. Why would we say a prayer if there was nobody there to listen, right? When we say a prayer, there's a certain amount of faith and trust that something is answering. And Ernest Holmes tells us, indeed, something is answering and that it corresponds to us at the level of our belief. So then why can't I just declare, okay, million dollars in the bank, here and now? Because what other beliefs am I carrying? What mental blocks have I put in the way between that ideal being downloaded and me working on the idea. Because sometimes we do carry around other beliefs and, and, and whatnot. So for me with my mom, you know, um, it's like, okay, here she is having a big situation. It's not good. And digging into the past, well, has it happened before? What did you do? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, and, and projecting into the future, another block. Oh, does this mean she'll, she'll be able to keep walking? You know, how long is this going to take? How long is she going to be here? Can she go back home? Can she do, you know, just natter, natter, natter away. Instead of just really being present with what was happening in that moment and what was being called for, from me, from anyone. The heart is a muscle and it does want to be exercised. And so, it's in this breaking open that we get to exercise it. And when I withhold my presence, when my heart is breaking open, then I just appear broken. But when I'm present, then that breaking open really allows for, for something new to happen. 
Sometimes when we pray, we wonder, is it God's will or is it my will? And what is the proper use of my will? How useful is it to insist that I can will anything into happening? Well, I call that the prayer of manipulation. When I want to make something happen, especially if I want to make it happen for someone else. When I want to impact someone else's actions, thoughts, and behavior. If I am a seed growing roots and shooting sprouts up into the light, what if my will is all that I give to my own personal growth? What if my thought and attention is just focused on who I am to to just what do I need to do to reach the light and blossom and bloom into the truth of who I am. I heard a wonderful quote about um, if you're a cactus in the rainforest, spirit's probably not going to support your life experience. So if we're, we've been doing so much work around calling and purpose in my class, I thought that was quite an appropriate quote. And, uh, and it's like, yeah. So then listen, what is your purpose? What is your calling? What is wanting to be expressed in and through you? But what happens when we don't really feel the presence of God? What if our faith is feeling kind of weak? How then do we pray? Because sometimes we, we get confused with our feelings, right? There's that feeling that comes when we get that intuitive transmission of God's ideal to us. But then we also have feelings in reaction to what's going on in our life. And if we only respond to the feelings of the outer conditions in our life, then we just kind of respond to that and we sort of spin around in a cycle of, oh, that felt good, I won't do that, that felt bad. We just kind of spin around in that. And we really want to connect with that higher idea. But if we're not really feeling it, what do we do? And, and I think that that's where faith plays a really important role. And it's faith, you know, the, the official definition in the Science of Mind text is uh, the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's a mouthful, and it takes a while to figure out what that really, what that really means. The substance of things hoped for. The substance. God is the substance. Invisible potential that comes into form. I hope it will come into form as a this. The evidence of things not seen. And once I see it, it's the evidence of that which I couldn't see. Mm. It's a lot to wrap your head around if you, if you haven't if you're not really used to thinking in that, in that way. But it's our, we can have faith in anything. We can have faith in things other than God. You know, I can, have, I can have a lot of faith in the fact that my son probably won't have the dishes done by the time I get home today. You know, we can, we can move our faith in whatever direction we want to move it in. But when our faith is placed in a trust and a knowing that there is something greater you know, 
moving us forward, working with us, working for us. And that, just like it said, that when I am a thirst, you know, when we feel thirsty, if we're the one that takes that step and goes to the well, we'll be, we'll be fed freely. And so sometimes in those moments, it's just really important to, to, uh, to do the prayer anyway, maybe. To, and if we can't do it for ourselves, to ask someone to know for us. So when I was with my mother, what did we do? I really had a lot of things I needed to do. I wasn't about to spend my whole night at the hospital. And that's sort of what it was looking like. And so, um, as I sat there, you know, the light went on and I, I remembered, I remembered to pray. And what did I pray for? Who did I pray for? Did I pray for my mom? No. I prayed for me. I was the one feeling the anguish and the anxiety and the fear. I was the one with the list of shoulds. I was the one that was having a big problem. And so I prayed. And what was my prayer? To fix her? To fix me? <laughs> no. My prayer was remembering the truth of what God is. All-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere presence. That it is the beauty and the joy and the wellness and the well-being. That is the potential and the divine birthright of myself and everyone. And did I include my mom? Yes, I included my mom in that knowing. It's not the same as praying for her. It's praying for me and, and it's my consciousness, it's my thought that needed shifting in that moment. And then I would open my eyes and I would see her there. And I would breathe and I would say, I accept you, mom. I bless you, mom. I accept me. I bless me. I accept these hospital staff. I bless these hospital staff. And as I continued to do that, my heart just opened. And it extended to, I bless my sister who is not here and should be helping me. And I bless my sister. And it went on and on. And in the stillness and silence of breathing that prayer, I opened my eyes and my mom was settled. And I was able to leave shortly afterwards, made agreements with the nurses, and, and carried on. I have to say that I did go home and I used my little new tablet to tidy up my notes and gather my thoughts for today. And when I turned my tablet on today, nothing showed up. So I know that spirit had its own idea for me this week. And I realized I'm talking about prayer today. I'm talking about faith and I'm talking about feeling. And bless my mother if she didn't give me an opportunity to have a real experience with that last night. So as we go forward, as Rumi said, you got to get in that oven and bake. You've got to, you know, feel the deliciousness 
of your own being. You've got to take in the fragrance and the aroma of who you are. And you have to allow the texture of your life and your life purpose to be known. And when our faith is stronger than our fear, we can listen and feel with our heart. And our prayers will be the most effective and powerful than we can imagine. Thank you for being here today. Have a wonderful week.